Good evening and welcome to another episode of Courts Today by Live Law. This is your host Urvashi Chauhan bringing you the latest updates on the legal front. This is your go-to source for all things legal. Let us start. JNU scholar and activist Umar Khalid today withdrew his bail petition pending before the Supreme Court. He has been behind bars since September 2020, awaiting his trial under the UAPA for his alleged involvement in the larger conspiracy surrounding the communal violence that broke out in February 2020 in the national capital. His counsel, senior advocate Kapil Sibal, submitted before the bench of Justices Bela Trivedi and Pankaj Mithal that the petition was being withdrawn in view of change in circumstances and to seek the bail afresh before the trial court. Accordingly, the bench dismissed the petition as withdrawn. Sibyl, however, clarified that he would argue the separate writ petition filed by Khalid challenging the constitutionality of the provisions of UAPA. So the bench today began hearing the batch of pleas challenging several provisions of UAPA. Senior advocate Huzefa Ahmadi, representing an individual and an NGO, asserted that the provisions under the Act which define terrorism and terrorist activities and outline procedures for designating individuals as terrorists contravene Articles 14, 19 and 21 of the Constitution, as well as India's international obligations under the Convention ICCPR. But the bench raised questions regarding the standing of the petitioners and the maintainability of their challenge. It opted to hear the petition filed by an individual directly affected by the UAPA. Advocate Prashant Bhushan then began oral submissions on behalf of two advocates and a journalist booked by the Tripura Police under UAPA challenging the act's definition of unlawful activities and its bail provisions. The same was challenged by the council representing the state of Tripura saying that their main prayer was for quashing of the FIR and thus high court should be approached. On being questioned whether he wanted to continue or approach the High Court, Bhushan requested for time to seek instructions from the client. Accordingly, the matter was adjourned till tomorrow. In an important update, the Supreme Court today has issued a new circular outlining the procedure and modalities for circulation of letters requesting adjournment of cases. Under the new procedure, adjournment letters will not be accepted in specific case categories such as those involving bail, anticipatory bail, exemptions from surrendering, existing interim orders favoring the party seeking time or requests for sentence suspension. Circulating adjournment letters for fresh and regular hearing matters is also banned. However, in other cases, the letters can be circulated until the day before the main list is published. The new guidelines also introduce restrictions to prevent abuse of the adjournment process. Parties or counsel are permitted to circulate letters for adjournment only once and two consecutive adjournments without court listing are not allowed. Matters adjourned under these guidelines will be listed before the court within a maximum of four weeks with a specific date set for hearing. If you remember, last December, the Supreme Court decided to stop circulating adjournment letters one day before a case until a standard procedure was established. Before the winter break, the court temporarily halted this practice, leading to protests from legal associations such as Supreme Court Advocates on Record Association and the Supreme Court Bar Association. 
Responding to their concerns, the court formed a committee to create a new procedure with inputs from the bar. Meanwhile, requesting adjournments via letters was suspended. This decision also faced criticism from about 281 lawyers who wrote to the Chief Justice of India highlighting the serious consequences and urging the reinstatement of the previous system until a new mechanism was put in place. You can visit livelaw.in to read the circular in detail. And now let me tell you the Calcutta High Court has set aside orders imposing Section 144 of CRPC in West Bengal's Sandesh Khali in the wake of unrest due to alleged sexual harassment of women and illegal land grabbing in the area by miscredents. Yesterday, the court had taken suo moto cognizance of the matter. Petitioners here contended that they were residents of Sandesh Khali and were aggrieved by the high-handed and arbitrary action of the police. It was submitted that three miscredents belonging to the ruling political dispensation had been torturing the inhabitants of the area in various ways. They would forcibly grab agricultural land, form illegal fisheries and force local people to work at these fisheries without proper remuneration. It was argued that they would take women of the locality away at night to their offices and sexually exploit them. As a result, there were demonstrations by the women which caused an Section 144 CRPC order to be issued by the administration. It was argued that the police was aiding the criminals. Advocate General for the state submitted that most contentions raised in the arguments were not based on the writ petition. Upon hearing the arguments, a single bench of Justice Jay Singh Gupta found the atrocities suffered by the villagers to be heart-wrenching. It said that the failure to arrest the main wrongdoers and their associations along with imposing restrictions on the villagers' movements under Section 144 of the CRPC could lead to excessive inconvenience for the locals. This situation could leave them more susceptible to additional crimes, particularly given the unique geographical challenges of the area. In relying on Supreme Court precedents on the test of promulgating Section 144 CRPC orders, the court held that no proper satisfaction of such tests had been recorded in the present case. And no material was placed as to why the entire Sandesh Khali police station area should be covered with the order. Accordingly, the order imposing restrictions under Section 144 was set aside and the court directed the police authorities to fix their priorities by looking for the miscredence, after which the aggrieved women could peacefully and safely file their complaints. The Supreme Court has noted that if during the review of evidence in an appeal against acquittal, the appellate court finds that two interpretations or views are reasonable, then the interpretation favoring the innocence of the accused should be adopted. In the present case, the trial court had acquitted the accused person for charges of committing murder under IPC. The trial court, after the appreciation of evidences, came to the finding that the testimonies supplied by the prosecution witness number three in this case was of artificial nature and could not be relied upon to convict the accused. According to the trial court, the chain of circumstances created by the testimony of prosecution witness number three was not consistent with the outcome of the guilt. Against this, the state appealed to the High Court. The High Court reappreciated the entire evidence and came to the finding that prosecution witness three being injured witness and there was no reason to disbelieve his testimony. The High Court reversed the trial court acquittal order and convicted the accused. 
so the accused appealed to the Supreme Court. Setting aside the impugned findings of the High Court, the bench comprising Justices Bela M. Trivedi and Satish Chandra Sharma held that it is not open for the High Court to convict the accused by reappreciating the evidence if the view taken by the trial court in case of acquittal is plausible view. In another important update from the Supreme Court, it has observed that the family of a deceased in a motor accident cannot seek double benefits. If the family has received benefits from the state government on account of the death of the deceased, then such benefits are liable to be deducted from the compensation payable under the Motor Vehicles Act. In this case, let me tell you, a driver employed by the Haryana State Roadways died in a road accident while performing his duties. The family members of the deceased filed a petition claiming compensation under the Motor Vehicles Act. The Motor Accident Claims Tribunal rejected the claim on the note that the sum of 31,37,000 was to be received from the state government under its state policy and that the amount was more than the compensation to which the claimants were found entitled to. The view taken by the tribunal was affirmed by the High Court, which held that the amount received by the government under its policy would be deducted from the amount claimed through compensation under Motor Vehicles Act. The claimants were entitled to a total compensation amount of 34,40,000. However, the amount they were supposed to receive from the state of Haryana's policy was 31,37,000, which was deducted from the total. As a result, the claimants were found eligible to receive 3,2,000. Against the High Court, the appellants preferred an SLP before the Supreme Court. The bench of Justices B.V. Nagratna and Augustine George Massey, finding no merit in the petition, declined to entertain it. It said that under the rules established by the Haryana government, the dependence of a deceased person who dies in a road traffic accident cannot receive double benefits compared to those dependents whose relative dies due to illness or any other cause. The Supreme Court has set aside the interim protection granted to India Bulls Housing Finance Limited, that is IHFL officers, in an FIR registered on a complaint by the director of Shipra Estate and the consequent investigation by ED. Let me give you a brief summary of the facts. The allegations are that between 2017 and 2020, IHFL sanctioned 16 loan facilities of 2,800 crores to the Shipra Group. However, the group defaulted on the loan payments. Thus, the property of the group, specifically Shipra Mall, was auctioned by IHFL and Himri Estate emerged as a successful bidder and purchased the mall. Further, a representative of the Shipra filed FIRs against the officers of IHFL and Himri Estate officers, alleging that the sale was illegal and caused a great loss of revenue to the state. Based on the FIRs, ED registered an ECIR under PMLA. Further, IHFL and Himri estate officers challenged this in the High Court, seeking quashing of FIR and the proceedings. And last year, the Allahabad High Court stayed the criminal proceedings, thus protecting the officers from arrest. Against this order, ED preferred the present appeal before the Apex Court. The division bench of Justices Bela M. Trivedi and Prasanna B. Virale, while hearing the matter, heavily criticized the High Court for staying the investigation. The bench opined that the impugned orders were in utter disregard and in the teeth of the guidelines issued in Neharika Infrastructure Private Limited versus State of Maharashtra, 
where the top court had cautioned the high courts against passing orders not to arrest or no coercive steps to be taken pending the investigation. The top court has accordingly set aside the challenged order. The next update is from the Andhra Pradesh High Court, which has reserved its verdict on a petition filed by YSR Congress Party challenging the censor certificate issued by the Central Board of Film Certification, that is CBFC, to the film Rajdhani Files. As per the petition, the film is defamatory in nature and aims at diluting the reputation of the party and its president, YS Jaganmohan Reddy, the serving chief minister of Andhra Pradesh. The plea was filed after the release of its trailer on 5th of this month. The movie is alleged to be based on three capitals issue of Andhra Pradesh and the petition alleged that the film depicts the CM as an antagonist. It has argued that since the issue of the capital cities of Andhra Pradesh is subjudice, making a film on the same is not acceptable. The respondents on the other side have contended that the certificate for release was obtained following due process of law. They cited Supreme Court rulings to assert that the issuance of a certificate creates a prima facie presumption in favour of the certificate holder. Additionally, they argued that the certificate was uploaded on the website last year and the petitioner could not approach the court at the 11th hour. After hearing both the parties at length, Justice N. Jayasurya reserved the matter for orders. Stay tuned for the verdict. And lastly, the Kerala High Court has permitted a temple in Alapusa district of state to use the public address system till 11 p.m., that is till one hour after the 10 p.m. deadline for use of loudspeakers on the last two days of their annual festival. The petitioner is the president of the temple and had approached the court seeking permission to use the public address system from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. in the night on the main two last days of their annual festival. The deputy superintendent of police had declined the permission to use the public address system post 10 p.m., aggrieved by which they have approached the court. It also noted that the government had rejected the application for exemption sought by the temple. The court observed that the police report highlights concerns about potential law and order issues while its report does not specifically mention noise pollution. It expresses apprehension about disturbances to public order. It found that Temple had been conducting such cultural programs in the past years beyond 10 p.m. without any complaints. The court observed that rules stipulate that exemptions could only be given for using loudspeakers when events were conducted in closed premises post 10 p.m. Thus, Justice Devan Ramchandran, while allowing the writ petition, said that the permission was subject to temple authorities undertaking that the sound decibels would be reduced to such a level that it would not go beyond the premises of the temple. It also observed that the exemption granted to the temple would be a special one considering the peculiar circumstances in it and would not be a precedent. Thank you for watching. If you wish to know more details about the cases I mentioned here, you can visit our website at www.livelaw.in. Stay ahead with quick legal updates only on Live Law. Do not forget to like, share and subscribe and support us. You can also support us by donating through the thanks button at the bottom of our videos or consider becoming a member at just 89 rupees per month.